And so, it was all going so well. Then the virus mutated and it's spreading at great speed. Across the UK, we're advised to take even greater care. The race is on between the vaccine and the virus. Returns to lockdown as we're once again told to stay home. The First Minister says she wants to speed up the country's COVID vaccine rollout. And anarchy in America as thousands of protesters storm Capitol Hill. From Caledonia Media, I'm Charles Fletcher with Scotland's favourite political show, The Week in Hollywood. We're in a race. We've got the vaccines in one lane. We're speeding that up as much as we can. But we've got to slow down the virus in the other lane to make sure the vaccines can get ahead and ultimately win this race. And that requires real sacrifices again from all of us, which nobody likes, including me. But it is essential to stop people uh, dying who otherwise wouldn't die and to stop our National Health Service being overwhelmed. We see in other parts of the UK right now what might lie ahead if we don't act quickly and decisively. We're back in lockdown across mainland Scotland, and that includes the Isles of Skye, Arran, Bute and Gear. The Northern and Western Isles and others on the Atlantic coast remain for now on level three. And, as the First Minister Nicola Sturgeon warns, we're in a race between the vaccine and the virus. And the vaccine must win. We absolutely must, all of us collectively, work to slow down this virus. And the most difficult thing... I'm asking everybody to do again is to stay at home. Staying at home helps us control this virus. It helps us protect ourselves and each other. It helps us protect our NHS and fundamentally and ultimately it helps us save lives. And that, as we have all known all along, is really important. So my concluding message is the same as it was back in March, uh, because the situation we face now is as serious as the one we faced back in March. So please stay at home, protect the NHS and save lives. First to revert to lockdown came the Scottish Government at midnight on Monday. Westminster followed with a similar policy 24 hours later. The public have have just been fantastic in the way that they uh, tried to to follow the guidance and done their their very best. But I do think obviously as as months and months go by, people's uh, patience understandably starts to to wear thin. So all I'm saying to everybody is, look, you know, we've got tough, tough weeks to come now. We've got the, uh, the virus really surging. It's vital that everybody now does their bit together. Both leaders say swift action is required as COVID cases continue to increase, swollen by this new, faster infecting mutation of the virus. Lockdown came as the new Oxford vaccine began its rollout, but just how many people will get it and how soon remain key questions. More than 100,000 Scots have had their first vaccine jab already. Nicola Sturgeon says she expects to have delivered almost 10 times that by the end of the month. From Monday, there will be a daily update on the state of the race on vaccination. She wants to go faster, but much is down to supply. Nicola Sturgeon says all over 80s will have their first appointment within the coming four weeks. And by the end of next week, 1,100 vaccination centres will be operational. That will mainly be in GP surgeries. In practical terms, that you know, it's very logistically complicated to deliver, but it's not complicated for me to describe. We've got to basically use all of the resources uh, in terms of people who can do the vaccination at physical premises to get them done with the Pfizer vaccine. That has to take account of the really difficult logistics around the delivery of it. And our vaccination team are working literally every day to make sure we are maximising that. And that will continue. This is, without a doubt, the most important thing that government has to, to, to undertake right now. It's massive. Will there be hiccups and problems along the way? Days where I'm probably standing here getting lots of questions from journalists about things that maybe have not gone as well as we wanted. Undoubtedly, that will be the case. But overall, getting this vaccination programme up and running at pace and getting this vaccine into people's arms as quickly as possible is the most important thing we've got to do right now. The vaccine rollout has completed in more than half of Scotland's care homes. NHS and care staff are getting their jabs now.
But care homes are again under the spotlight as there are a growing number of COVID cases across the country. There's a continuing outbreak in Glenrothes and Stranraer. And there has been a significant increase in Highland and Argyll and Butte with 900 positive tests since the 21st of December. Labour leader Richard Leonard is clear there must be priority support for residents in care homes. Our view has been that the tragic deaths in residential care homes was the uh, scandal of the first wave of COVID-19 and we need to ensure it doesn't become the scandal of the second wave of COVID-19. So we want to see um, guaranteed supplies of personal protective equipment to people uh, who work in care homes, those people going in and out of care homes. We want to see um, regular testing of uh, the staff that work in care homes. Uh, We want to see, of course, um, all necessary measures taken, including... um, no repeat of what happened previously, which we only discovered uh, thanks to press freedom of information requests, that patients were discharged from hospital who had either not been tested at all for COVID-19 or, as it turns out, had been tested, had tested positive and were still sent into residential care homes. And, And the point about residential care homes is These are the most vulnerable and susceptible uh, members of our community uh, and are at most risk and uh, they should not be exposed to the additional risk that they were placed under by the early discharge of people from hospital who had not been tested for COVID-19. As fresh lockdown announcements come from governments in Edinburgh and London, it prompted the return of updates from 62nd Scotland. They rolled out on Monday and Tuesday as the changes were announced. It's Monday, the 4th of January. I'm Charles Fletcher with 60 Seconds Scotland. Mainland Scotland reverts to lockdown from midnight tonight. The islands remain in level three, but that could change. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon says it's vital we stay at home, protect the NHS and save lives. This stay-at-home message and advice is now so important that from tomorrow it will become law just as it was in the lockdown last year. Schools, including nurseries, will remain closed until the 1st of February. We can go out for exercise but can only meet with one other person from one other household outdoors. The Scottish Government says avoid travel where possible, although you can do so if you're delivering care. We should work from home and only shop for essentials. Nicola Sturgeon says we're in a race between the vaccine and the virus, and the vaccine must win. From Caledonia Media, I'm Charles Fletcher with 60 Seconds Scotland. It's Tuesday, the 5th of January. I'm Charles Fletcher with 60 Seconds Scotland. Scots are in lockdown across the mainland with schools shut to most pupils until at least the 1st of February. Nicola Surgeon says the COVID crisis is extremely serious. We have to act quickly and decisively. Only essential shopping and travel is allowed and we must work from home if we can. Boris Johnson has tightened restrictions and closed schools in England. It's vital that everybody now does their bit. Schools in Wales remain shut. Northern Ireland is in a six-week lockdown. Rutherglen MP Margaret Ferrier has been arrested and charged after admitting using public transport while infected with COVID-19. Nicola Sturgeon says we're all in a race between the vaccine and the virus. I know that the next few weeks will be incredibly difficult. I'm sorry to ask for further sacrifices after nine long months of them, but these sacrifices are necessary. And that's to help the vaccine win. From Caledonia Media, I'm Charles Fletcher with 60 Seconds Scotland. Now, the eyes of Scotland's political leaders and indeed around the world were quickly captivated by events unfolding in the United States this week. We witnessed anarchy in America as thousands of supporters of Donald Trump descended on the Capitol building in the heart of Washington, D.C. They breached security and entered the building as a joint session of Congress was underway to confirm the election of Joe Biden as the next U.S. president. Four people died in the ensuing chaos. Scotland's First Minister describes the scenes as utterly horrifying and an attack on democracy. Douglas Ross for the Scottish Conservatives says no democracy could tolerate this. 
and Labour's Richard Leonard believes what we saw is appalling. President-elect Joe Biden demanded Donald Trump call a halt to what he called an insurrection. The scenes of chaos at the Capitol do not reflect a true America, do not represent who we are. What we're seeing are a small number of extremists dedicated to lawlessness. This is not dissent. It's disorder. It's chaos. It borders on sedition. And it must end now. I call on this mob to pull back and allow the work of democracy to go forward. You've heard me say before in different contexts, the words of a president matter, no matter how good or bad that president is. At their best, the words of a president can inspire. At their worst, they can incite. Therefore, I call on President Trump to go on national television now to fulfill his oath and defend the Constitution and demand an end to this siege, to storm the Capitol, to smash windows, to occupy offices, the floor of the United States Senate rummaging through desks, on the Capitol, on the House of Representatives, threatening the safety of duly elected officials. It's not protest. It's insurrection. The world's watching. Like so many other Americans, I am genuinely shocked and saddened that our nation, so long the beacon of light and hope for democracy, has come to such a dark moment. Eventually, Donald Trump put out a video message where he continued to claim the election was fraudulent, then told his supporters he loved them, but it was time to go home. I know you're pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election. But we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home. We have to have peace. As the protesters laid siege to the capital, face coverings and social distancing meant little. Covid cases are continuing to rise across the US. Nicola Sturgeon told Good Morning Britain she was not overly surprised by the events unfolding on Capitol Hill. Well, Nicola Sturgeon is among world leaders who have condemned uh, what she called the utterly horrifying scenes in America where rioters stormed the US Capitol in Washington. The First Minister of Scotland said shame on those who have incited this attack on democracy. She joins us now this morning. Good morning to you, uh, Nicola Sturgeon. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, I think we're all still reeling from what we saw yesterday. Uh, as, as the First Minister of Scotland, as somebody who's been involved in politics for the majority of your life, have you managed to process what you saw? Uh, not really. You know, on one level, I think... Um, What happened last night, what we witnessed last night, is not that surprising. In some senses, Donald Trump's presidency has been moving towards this moment almost from the moment it started. But that doesn't make it any less shocking. You know, what we witnessed weren't just scenes of, you know, horrible uh, breaches of law and order, you know, people taking over the seat of democracy. But we actually witnessed the president of the United States 
inciting insurrection in his own country. Um, and I think for many people, it will take some time to get our head around that. Um, thankfully, there's only a matter of days of his presidency left. And, you know, we heard Joe Biden last night remind us what uh, a real leader, a real democratic leader should, should sound like. But, you know, this has been a, a dark period in America's history, there's no doubt about it. And I would imagine many people in that country and across the world are looking forward to it coming to an end. But clearly there are deep-seated divides there that the new administration have to tackle and try to heal. The First Minister has already stated a reminder to Donald Trump that under the current COVID legislation in Scotland, it's illegal to travel in or out of the country unless that journey is essential. There's a belief going around that Mr Trump may be planning to pop over to Turnbury in Ayrshire and skip going to Joe Biden's inauguration in Washington on the 20th of January. Nicola Sturgeon says popping over for a game of golf is not an essential journey, so he should just concentrate on getting out of the White House. You're listening to The Week in Holyrood. I'm Charles Fletcher. And still to come, the Prime Minister says Scotland's only getting the Covid vaccine because it's part of the UK. This week, we reverted to lockdown and were told to stay home. Scottish Conservative group leader at Holyrood, Ruth Davidson, says that's hard news at a hard time for us all. Nobody wants to live under restrictions for a moment longer than is absolutely necessary or for those restrictions to be any tighter than needed. However, the increase in infection rate and the transmissibility of the new variant gives grave cause for concern. We have come too far to throw all our efforts away and the rollout of the vaccine means that we can see a time soon when all this will begin to be over. That being said, this is hard news at a hard time when the resilience of people across the country has already been worn down over the past year. Many will be dismayed by today's news, not least the parents of school pupils who now have to rip up their childcare plans, negotiate with their employers and worry about their children's fractured education. The Children's and Young People's Commissioner has expressed concerns that closing schools poses a serious risk of harm to the well-being of children and young people. And he's also warned that support for online learning is being provided inconsistently across Scotland and that there's not enough national guidance and support for schools from government ministers threatening a further widening of the attainment gap. So can I ask what further steps the Scottish Government is taking now to address these concerns and to ensure that Scottish pupils continue to get equal access to high-quality education? First person. Well, can I firstly agree that this will be very hard uh, news for everybody across Scotland to hear today and to contemplate the reality of over these next few weeks. I want to reiterate uh, to people again that these are decisions that we do not take lightly. Uh, we agonise over them um, and uh, we only uh, announce restrictions like this if we really feel there is no alternative. And right now, the only alternative is greater loss of life and the potential for our National Health Service to be overwhelmed. Um, and speed of action at this point in time is the most important factor of all. The decision we most agonised over was uh, the further closure of schools for the majority of pupils. Uh, the issue of schools closed or open has been contentious in the most recent weeks and teachers and others have understandably uh, raised concerns but I hope people see uh, from the responses of the government and the actions of the government that we have uh, striven and will continue to strive to keep schools open uh, as normally as possible, uh, as often and as for as long as possible. Um, and this decision today is one that we deem necessary for the reasons I set out. Uh, we will, and the Education Secretary will set out uh, for MSPs, uh, I'll, uh, ensure that this happens uh, over the uh, next couple of days, uh, the steps that are being taken to ensure that the provision of online education is as parents want it to be and that local authorities are working to ensure that that is of a consistent quality across the country. We have already taken steps, as I indicated in my opening uh, remarks, to ensure that more young people have access to uh, digital devices to make online uh, learning more accessible to them. Uh, schools uh, and local authorities already have contingency plans 
in place. There is advice for parents available via uh, the Parent Club website. Parents can also speak direct to schools uh, for more advice. Uh, the national online learning platform, Glow, uh, has seen a huge increase in users and usage uh, since earlier last year, and we are working actively with local and national partners to enhance the online and remote learning options uh, for pupils. Um, that is work that will continue over the course of next week and for as long as is necessary. But let me end uh, this answer with uh, a reiteration of the point that we want this to be for as short a period as necessary for all of the reasons that I think everybody understands and agrees with. Ruth Davison. Today's announcement underscores the need to have a comprehensive test and trace system in place. In August, the First Minister promised that between UK Government Lighthouse Labs and NHS Scotland facilities that we would have the capacity for 65,000 tests per day. However, the highest number of tests carried out in a single day was 30,619 on Christmas Day, with currently a third of tests carried out by NHS Scotland and the majority by the Lighthouse Labs. She also promised that three regional hubs for testing would be open by the end of December, but so far only two have done so. The test positivity rate over the last seven days is now the highest it has ever been since the Scottish Government started publishing this data in August. So can I ask the First Minister, is there capacity in Scotland to carry out 65,000 tests per day? And if there is, why are the actual tests carried out on any day well below half of that capacity? And when will the Edinburgh Regional Hub be open for testing? First Minister. Um, yes, there is capacity for 65,000 tests a day. Uh, that uh, target that we set earlier in the year was met uh, by Christmas. Uh, the number of tests, though, that are actually carried out on any given day is largely demand-driven because it is people who have symptoms coming forward for testing. And we have seen, and I think we will continue to see, that number rise as, uh, unfortunately, this faster spreading strain of the virus infects more people. But the capacity um, and the demand for testing will often not be uh, numbers that are exactly the same for, for obvious uh, reasons. Of course, we do uh, increasingly, although uh, some of the uh, asymptomatic testing is not done through the PCR testing uh, that goes through the, the laboratory network, uh, some of that is now done by lateral flow testing, uh, which don't appear in these numbers. Uh, but some asymptomatic testing uh, is done in this way. Care home staff, for example, which we are in the process well uh, through the process of transferring from the Lighthouse Lab network uh, to the NHS Scotland uh, Lab network. Uh, we do have a, a well-functioning test uh, and protect system, uh, and it continues to be a really important part of our response uh, to this virus. But as we uh, have a, a virus that is spreading faster, uh, then we have to uh, have a, a range of different responses to that uh, in order to complement the test and protect. And of course, in terms of interventions, just as test and protect has been important, uh, the vaccine programme becomes increasingly important over the next period. And lastly, uh, there has been a, a last-minute issue, or probably not literally last-minute, but late-stage issue in the Edinburgh uh, La regional lab with a sprinkler system, as I understand it, which is in the process of being rectified, and that is due to open shortly. Davison. Today's announcement of further restrictions is particularly difficult to take when we've had such positive news in recent weeks of vaccines being proved and that have been bought in such quantities by the UK Government. In her statement, the First Minister said that we are in a race between the vaccine and the virus. It is impossible to know if we are winning that race at any given time if we only show the daily infection figures without the daily vaccination figures. The public needs more information on precisely how the rollout is going, both nationally and in their own area, as well as when they will receive their dose. Also last week, the Health Secretary said that those aged over 80 will be invited to attend their vaccinations by letter. So can the First Minister commit today to publish not just the national vaccination figures, but also the numbers vaccinated by health boards so that people can see the progress in their own communities. And can she tell us now when everyone in the over 80 cohort will receive their letter with vaccination appointment details? First Minister. Um, on publication, uh, I think I said uh, last week when Parliament was recalled in response to a question from uh, the Labour benches that we uh, are intending to break down the weekly publication of the numbers vaccinated into categories and also uh, I would hope that we would do that regionally by health board as well. I will consider uh, whether uh, it, there is a potential to have a greater frequency of publication. We are currently doing that weekly. I am simply mindful of not putting uh, too many burdens of data collection and publication on people that we are uh, expecting to undertake this 
huge logistical challenge. So it may be that weekly publication remains the best balance with that greater breakdown uh, of statistics. Uh, the vaccine programme is, of course, because uh, it is not that long since the vaccines have been approved, particularly the AstraZeneca one, is still in its early stage. But we have vaccinated more than 100,000 people. Uh, the percentage at this stage, it's a small percentage of the population uh, that has been vaccinated. It is slightly higher in Scotland than in the other UK nations, but uh, we will have to continue to focus on accelerating that as much as possible. As I said earlier on, uh, that is at the moment uh, largely uh, constrained by supply. We know what we expect. Hopefully that's a conservative uh, small c uh, estimate for January. We are not yet clear what supplies we uh, can expect for beyond uh, January. In terms of the uh, call for uh, those in the over 80 population, that will start shortly and be an ongoing process. We have obviously been uh, recalculating uh, uh, our modelling for the, the, the speed and timescale of vaccination as a result of the changed Chief Medical Officer advice on uh, doing uh, the second dose of the vaccine up to 12 weeks after the first dose as opposed to uh, three weeks. That will allow us to get the first dose of vaccine to more people much more quickly. Um, and we are making sure that we take full advantage of that as we take full advantage of the supplies of the vaccine as we get them. Ruth Davison. There are immediate practical questions that are raised by today's announcement. And one of the primary ones is the legal requirement for people to work from home where they can. This raises all sorts of issues, including who is a key worker and what constitutes essential labour in a workplace outside of the home. Also, who makes these decisions and what is the process of arbitration in the event of a dispute between a workplace and a local authority or a boss and an employee? In the first lockdown, we saw different interpretations between local authorities and different services provided depending on category. People need to know what these new rules are, how they will apply to them and what recourse exists where there's conflict. So will the First Minister give clarity on these important points? First Minister. Uh, we will set out uh, more guidance on uh, these points. On the issue of uh, key worker in the context of education, local authorities have specifically asked for some flexibility around that, which I think is important uh, to afford them. Uh, there is a balance to be struck here. In terms of business, uh, we are not, as of now, in uh, quite as restrictive a position in terms of uh, non-essential uh, work in construction and manufacturing, for example, uh, being closed as we were back in March. But that is something we need to keep under review, uh, both in terms of the spread of the virus, but also that really important relationship, which I do understand, between people's uh, ability to work, uh, or requirement to work rather, and their ability to look after children and uh, take part in online learning for their children at home. Uh, the Economy Secretary will be having discussions as early as this afternoon with business organisations. Uh, we'll be discussing with trade unions to make sure that we help people, just as we did back in March, navigate uh, their way through what I recognise is a difficult situation. But the message to businesses is we are asking you again, as you did in March, uh, to very rigorously scrutinise your own operations and assure yourself uh, that the people that you are requiring to be at work are genuinely only people uh, that cannot do their job at home. Uh, there is a, a need to make sure that as many people as possible uh, who can work from home are supported to do that. Thank you. Richard Leonard. The issue here today is not just whether schools and school buildings are open or not. It is about how much preparation has been made by the government for the continuation of our children's education. It is about whether the remote learning materials which we were promised were ready back in July are ready now, six months later. It is about whether teachers have the support they need, whether plans are in place and whether they have the resources they require to back it up. And it is about how much support there is for working parents, what the plan is for them. For example, does the First Minister have a plan to encourage all businesses to furlough all working parents who need to take time off to support their children? Can the First Minister assure us that all of this is in place? First Minister. What I'm not going to do is pretend to people that any of these things are, are easy. Uh, they're not easy for the people who are having to live with the consequences. And these things are not easy for any government anywhere. But yes, we are, as we did earlier, 
in the pandemic and at the outset when we were in lockdown previously, we will do everything we can to help people both navigate their way through these decisions but also deal with the impact of them. Uh, so we have taken significant steps around uh, online learning. For example, the National e-Learning Offer, which is a, a collaborative programme uh, involving the Scottish Government, Education Scotland and local government, has already uh, helped improve the options that are available to schools. Uh, that has enhanced the provision for live remote learning, recorded lessons, and uh, supported learning via online digital learning. Uh, one initiative uh, within that is uh, eSchool, which is uh, refreshed and has expanded its range of study support uh, courses. Um, and there are a range of courses uh, ranging from National 5 to Advanced Higher available uh, in that. So there's a, a number of ways in which that support uh, has already been strengthened, but we will continue to look to do that on an ongoing basis. Uh, but fundamentally, uh, the priority here in getting transmission down again is to keep the period of schools being closed as short as possible. As I said earlier on, we will be discussing, uh, led by the Economy Secretary starting today with uh, business organisations, uh, the expectation on businesses to do everything they can to support their workers, to work from home and to support workers who have childcare responsibilities. And we'll keep Parliament updated in any uh, further initiatives that arise from that. But I know businesses have already worked hard to do that. And this, again, we are at a stage here where we need to have a massive uh, national collective endeavour uh, to overcome this uh, severe challenge we face and I know and expect that businesses will play their full part in that. Richard Leonard. Uh, thank you, Presiding Officer. Let me stick to the theme of support for working people. In October, the Government promised to protect low-income workers from financial hardship should they be asked to self-isolate by test and protect. However, the £500 grant does not seem to be reaching many of those low-paid workers who have applied for it. According to the Government's most recent data, published in December, 23%, fewer than a quarter of individuals who applied to the self-isolation support scheme actually received a payment. With the infection rate rising, more and more working people will be required to self-isolate. So can the First Minister therefore tell us why the award rate for this vital payment for low-income households is so low and what she will do to drive it up? The eligibility criteria for the £500 support payment was set out at the establishment of that. That is tied to entitlement to benefits, although we uh, sought in Scotland to have a degree of flexibility around that, uh, and that, of course, is administered through the Scottish Welfare Fund. We will continue to look at how we ensure that support for self-isolation and more general support for the new circumstances we are in right now reaches more people. Uh, at the outset of the pandemic, we made significant resources available to support uh, communities and to people in, in deprived communities in particular. We'll be discussing with local authorities how we refresh and uh, supplement that. Uh, we also, of course, had the £100 million winter support package, which saw grants go to uh, low-income families uh, before Christmas and had a range of other support uh, for organisations that support people in poverty as well as uh, different groups living in poverty. So we've done uh, a, a great deal here, but we recognise in these new circumstances, more severe circumstances we are in for the next period, we have to continue uh, to increase what we are doing. And I indicated in my statement that later this week we will set out uh, announcements about additional resources that will cover many of these key aspects, support for uh, communities, support for uh, particularly vulnerable groups, parental support and any additional support in uh, addition to the support strands that are already there for business that we are going to be able to make available for companies affected. Richard Leonard. Uh, thank you. But if 77% of those people who apply to the self-isolation support scheme do not receive a payment, then it seems to me there is something wrong with the way the scheme is operating. We all recognise that the new variant of COVID-19 demands new action to suppress its spread. The advice from SAGE is that actions such as delaying the second dose of the vaccine is only one part of a comprehensive, ambitious strategy to do this. However, one very senior government adviser less than two weeks ago said in response to a question about immunity from the first dose, I quote, they get a little bit, but it is not like 50% and then another 50%. These numbers are not right, but it is more like 10% and 90%. So the second dose is much more important on top of the first dose. Then a week later, a statement from the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation said, and I quote them, 
short-term vaccine efficacy from the first dose of the Pfizer vaccine is calculated at around 90%. Short-term vaccine efficacy from the first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine is calculated at around 70%. Maintaining public confidence in the vaccination programme is critical, but that requires ensuring messages are clear and consistent clear and consistent from all government advisers. Can the First Minister take responsibility for that? And can the First Minister today set out the expected number of people to be vaccinated each week based on current assumptions? First Minister. Um, I take responsibility for all aspects of uh, the government's handling of this. I've, I've never tried to shy away from that. I think consistent messaging is important. I must admit, um, as an aside, I have struggled week to week to know what Richard Leonard is actually expecting the government to do. It's gone from easing restrictions to more severe restrictions. Uh, so these things are difficult, but I understand the importance of it. Um, before I come on to the issue of vaccine dosage, which is important, um, let me just round off the... Uh, the first point on the uh, support payment, uh, we have already extended eligibility for that since it was uh, introduced and we will continue to look uh, to, to do that. On the issue of uh, the, the two doses and the, the 12 weeks or up to 12 weeks between two doses, this is clinical advice. I, um, I take responsibility for every aspect of the government's response to this, but I am not clinically qualified. I rely on advisers to uh, give us the best possible advice on these matters. The four chief medical officers have uh, collectively given this advice to the four governments on dosing um, and they have done that on the basis that this allows us to vaccinate more people with a significant degree of immunity more quickly than the original uh, strategy would and given the race we are in and the circumstances that we face um, I think uh, if they believe that that is a safe and sensible thing to do then I think it is incumbent on politicians uh, to follow that advice. The short term efficacy um, of the uh, Pfizer vaccine is 90% um, and 70% from the AstraZeneca vaccine from the first dose. This uh, actually is in a letter that I think went to MSPs uh, yesterday or uh, this morning, and I know a briefing has been offered to all MSPs from uh, the Chief Medical Officer on this matter. Um, can I just, while I've got the opportunity, th there has been another issue raised about vaccination policy in the last two days, the suggestion that uh, people may get the first dose with one vaccine and the second dose with the other vaccine. That is not our policy uh, in Scotland uh, is not what the Chief Medical Officer advises. So unless there were really exceptional circumstances where perhaps it wasn't known what uh, vaccine had been given in the first dose, uh, the policy uh, at this stage is that people's, uh, people will get both doses with the same uh, vaccine. And it's an opportunity for me to give clear and consistent messaging on that point. Thank you. Patrick Harvey, who joins us remotely. Once again, we're seeing the announcement of new measures which everyone will find regrettable, but I think the vast majority of people will recognise are necessary. But with schools closing for longer than planned, there is a need for a package of practical support for parents, not only from government, but also from employers. And those needs will be particularly significant, especially for single parents, those in cramped conditions, and those coping with working from home while schools are closed. People struggled last time, but they got through. They need and deserve our help if they have to do it again. I want to ask the First Minister, though, about the uncertainty about the impact of the new variant on transmission among young people. The First Minister recognised that uncertainty. Does she agree that we will need, over the next couple of weeks before the review period, we will need clarity on those issues? We will need to have answers that give us confidence uh, about that question of transmission among young people and we need that information before we'll be able to know if it's safe to fully reopen schools or before we can know what additional measures are necessary to keep them safe. First Minister. Uh, yes, I do agree with that. We have uh, been determined, as everybody knows, from the moment schools reopened in August uh, to now to, to keep schools open. That has been contentious at times and you know, legitimate concerns have been raised. But I have, at every stage 
been satisfied on the basis of the advice I've been given um, and my understanding of the situation and the data that we have gathered and has, in, uh, has been published by Public Health Scotland uh, and uh, indeed data published by the ONS, I've been satisfied that schools could safely uh, reopen and while uh, not all teachers, not all parents have agreed with that, I have felt able to look at teachers and parents in the eye and say that that is my clear judgment based on the advice I've been given. Uh, that has changed for this uh, moment in time for the two reasons I set out, the higher level of community transmission and the uncertainty amongst the scientific community of the impact on transmission amongst young people uh, of this new variant. Uh, some uh, evidence uh, or some opinion uh, that uh, I have seen and, and read and uh, tried to understand uh, suggests it may be more likely to infect young people. Others uh, think that that may be uh, an apparent effect because in England during the November lockdown schools were open while many of the places adults would go uh, were, were closed. Uh, so we need to understand that more. I hope we will have a greater understanding of that in the, the weeks to come. But yes, of, of course, there, is, there can be no greater responsibility than making sure the schools we send our children to um, are safe. And therefore, in order to get schools back open again, as I desperately want to do um, and will strive to do as quickly as possible, I need to be satisfied in order, order that I can say to teachers and parents that it is safe to do so. Um, and we will be uh, looking at all of these issues very carefully. But, you know, lastly, on this point, uh, well, before I, I just briefly touch on the other point Patrick Harvey uh, raised, we all have a part to play here. If we all abide by and accept these tough restrictions that we're setting out today, we can bring community transmission down and that creates the best possible conditions for getting schools back open. Um, and very briefly, I agree with them that we need a package of support for parents over the, this next period. The government will play our part in that. We will work with businesses to ensure that they do and we will be working with councils with additional resources to make sure that that can be made available. Willie Rennie. Um, there will be a price to pay in terms of mental health, economic well-being, health services, inequality and the loss of education. Uh, but I agree that the evidence supports the return of stricter measures. It would be a tragedy if the NHS was to be overwhelmed and more lives lost when the protective coat of this new vaccine was within touch and distance for millions of people. But I want to ask about childcare. There will be more people back at work, especially as construction and manufacturing continues compared with the spring. But what advice has the First Minister got for working parents, those not of key workers, but for working parents? Um, what advice, what support is available and what childcare will be available for them? The availability of informal childcare and childminders is much more restricted um, than is necessary. So therefore, what advice would she give to those families to make sure that they have the appropriate childcare? Well, can I firstly agree that there is a price uh, in all sorts of respects that will be paid possibly for, definitely for some time to come for this pandemic in Scotland, the UK, Europe and in the world. But there will be a much bigger price to pay if we do not act to get this virus under control. And that is the central uh, driving imperative that uh, motivates the government uh, each and every single day. Um, on childcare, my advice to parents, firstly, I'm not going to insult the intelligence of any parent. This is a really difficult situation and nothing I can say standing here takes away the challenges that parents are confronted with right now. Uh, we will do everything we can to help in a range of different ways. The key worker provision uh, and the flexibility that we've left local authorities with there uh, is the first part of how we will do that. Uh, there is uh, the possibility, although it is more restricted, for informal childcare where there are no other alternatives. We will also, as I've said a couple of times in response to previous questions, work with businesses to make sure businesses are helping parents uh, who are amongst their workforces who have childcare responsibilities. And we will be looking in very short order, uh, including with additional resources, what further practical support, uh, including financial support, we can provide uh, to those who need it. So this will be a package of support, but I don't want to stand here um, and suggest that that takes away every uh, difficulty that working parents will face over this next very difficult period, which is why the most important thing we can do, and this is a job for government, but a job for all of us, is to get this virus under control. So this period of schools and early years education not operating normally is as short as we can possibly make it. Willie Rennie. 
I certainly agree with the First Minister with regards to that. Um, we know that the threat of the, the virus increases with the age of the individual. So is the First Minister considering the reopening of nurseries and primary schools at an earlier stage than secondary schools after February? And can I ask about the islands as well? I see that they are remaining in level three, but their schools are to close. What is the justification for that? Many of the islands don't have adequate broadband and will find remote learning quite difficult. So what provisions are going to be made available to them and what is the justification for the decision? First Minister. Um, in terms of the justification for the decision, it is about the uncertainty about the impact of transmission on young people and therefore if schools were to remain open in these areas, if that was a bigger impact than has been the case before, that may jeopardise the overall stability of these areas in terms of uh, the, the levels of the virus. So it is a cautious and precautionary uh, decision. Uh, we have decided to leave the island communities in level three. We look very carefully at Shetland because Shetland's had a high number of cases in recent days, but the indications yesterday and today are that that is stabilising. Uh, but of course, we'll be monitoring that uh, very carefully indeed. And I absolutely take the point about the uh, even uh, the, the, the greater accessibility issues around digital and broadband. And we'll uh, discuss what more we can do to, to assist with uh, not just island but remote communities in that respect as well. Um, in response to Willie Rennie's first point, yes, we will consider. I deliberately uh, made the point in my statement that when it comes to getting schools back, it will not be necessarily a binary open or closed. Uh, if we can get some pupils back ahead of all pupils, that's what we will do. Obviously, one of the things we will be looking at is whether primary schools could come back even before we felt it uh, safe to bring secondary schools back if we feel it is not safe by the time we get to that review point on the 18th of January. So all of these things will be very much under consideration. We want as many children, want all children to be in school as normal uh, as quickly as possible. But short of that, we want as many to get back as quickly as possible. Now to our continuing series of conversations with the leaders. This week, Richard Leonard from Labour. He says it's vital there's priority given to residents in care homes. As you may have heard earlier, more than half of Scotland's care homes have now had vaccine jabs and the programme continues to roll out. Our view has been that the tragic deaths in residential care homes was the uh, scandal of the first wave of COVID-19 and we need to ensure it doesn't become the scandal of the second wave of COVID-19. So we want to see... Um, guaranteed supplies of personal protective equipment to people uh, who work in care homes, those people going in and out of care homes. We want to see um, regular testing of uh, the staff that work in care homes. Uh, we want to see, of course, um, all necessary measures taken, including um, no repeat of what happened previously, which we only discovered uh, thanks to press freedom of information requests, that patients were discharged from hospital who had either not been tested at all for COVID-19 or, as it turns out, had been tested, had tested positive and were still sent into residential care homes. And, and the point about residential care homes is these are the most vulnerable and susceptible uh, members of our community uh, and are at most risk and uh, they should not be exposed to the additional risk that they were placed under by the early discharge of people from hospital who had not been tested for COVID-19. And having watched and listened to you in the chamber as you have been very straightforward with the First Minister making demands, calling for an inquiry, do you believe the Scottish Government is now living up to the measure that you have asked them to take? Well, we involved the Scottish Human Rights Commission because we felt that some of the guidance that the Scottish Government has issued uh, breached the human rights of those elderly people in residential care, uh, up to and including the right to life. But they were all, because they were denied um, access to treatment that everybody else uh, in society uh, would still get access to. Uh, they were sent to care homes in some cases without being told that's where they were being sent. Their families and next of kin didn't know that's where they were being sent. So there are some serious questions over what happened and whether their human rights were respected or not. And it's my firm belief that they weren't. So we've now got an agreement that any public inquiry that takes place 
will have a human rights dimension to it, especially when it looks into what happened in residential care. But we've also said that we need to rapidly learn the lessons of what happened in the spring and early summer to make sure that they are not repeated. And that should be done in full public view. So we've said that there ought to be uh, an urgent uh, and open inquiry, not a full-scale judge-led public inquiry, but nonetheless uh, an, an open and, uh, 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 and um, you know, expert-led inquiry so that the lessons are learned and we look publicly at what those lessons are. I mean, you know, frankly, the government, uh, within a day of announcing a U-turn on the SQA results fiasco, appointed an academic from Stirling University to head up an inquiry into what happened there. So if they can move rapidly when it comes to uh, uh, school results uh, for young people, why can't it act rapidly uh, and investigate and bring forward the lessons from what happened in residential care to our older citizens? So the lesson on this, Scottish Government could do better? 100%. Absolutely. Personally, um, you know, there are friends of mine, family members of mine who have lost their lives. Um, there are, therefore, you know, there is a big toll that many people and many families are undergoing. But there is also the economic dimension to this. And we know that in a matter of, of a few weeks time, people who have been uh, supported through the UK government's uh, job retention scheme, the furlough scheme, that's coming to an end. And so, you know, I'm speaking to lots of people and to lots of families who are having sleepless nights because they, they do not know whether come November, December, Christmas, whether they are going to be in work or not. So there are people who are uh, staring into the prospect of uh, unemployment, of their businesses being unable to uh, continue or in some cases even to reopen. And there is, I think, a huge toll on people as a result of that, both physically but also mentally. And, and there are, there are long-term mental health issues which I think we're going to have to deal with as a society which arise from this period of time that we've been living through. Richard Leonard, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. The Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, says Scotland's only getting the COVID vaccines because it's part of the UK. Speaking to Conservative MPs, the Prime Minister suggests Scotland couldn't do it alone. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon suggests he grows up. Well, look, that's a pretty juvenile comment at a time when I think everybody wants to see grown-ups in charge of this uh, response to COVID. What happens in the UK is that the four nations, Scotland, England, Wales and Northern Ireland, we voluntarily agree to procure vaccines collectively because we think that gets us a better crack of the whip than doing it individually. It's a choice we make. Uh, we do it for the flu vaccine, we're doing it for the COVID vaccine. That does not mean Scotland, if it chose to do it differently, couldn't procure vaccines. We are being sensible and grown up about it and choosing uh, to do it this way because we think I that makes sense. The point the is, is your, the euphoria union when it works for you, but not necessarily well, at all time. I guess that's the point he's making, it works, isn't it? it works the point I was going to make is it works for all of us. The independent countries of the European Union pull together to do certain things. That's sensible. And the point I was going to make, if Scotland was independent, when Scotland is independent, as I think it will be, then there are certain things that it would still make sense to come together to do. That's how the modern, interconnected, internationalist world works. And more generally, though, right now, this is the biggest challenge people like me and Boris Johnson and leaders across the world have faced. We should be trying to cooperate and work together. And, you know, I'm not perfect. I indulge in politics at times. I'm a politician, so I'm not trying to take a holier-than-thou attitude. But let's just make more of an effort when people are suffering so much right now to, to rise above these, frankly, juvenile comments uh, and try to, to raise our games. OK, let's come back to the vaccines then briefly, if we may. I think originally the target that you had set was to have a million people vaccinated in Scotland mm -hmm. by the end of January. Where are you with that target? Are you still confident that you can make that happen? Well, it's dependent on supply. So we, at the moment, um, and we've been quite cautious in what we are saying, only given commitments that we think we can absolutely rely on, we think we will have by the end of January uh, just over 900,000 doses of the vaccine. So, you know, it's slightly below that million, but hopefully it will get closer to that as, as the supplies uh, become a bit firmer. 